for all NBA for all NBA warriors. You are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. What's up, everybody? We're doing a, a Natless episode today at Golden Spaces, an Odyssey original podcast. We got two very special guests on today. Um, you know, two guys, I'm pretty sure if you're on Warriors Twitter, you're already following um, and seeing all their video threads and, and breakdowns. Um, so two extremely smart guys. I'm, I'm super excited to have Chat Hoops with me on. You guys already know Charlie from another episode that he filled in for me. Um, I let him introduce himself to you guys again, though. What's up, Charlie? How's it going, guys? Yeah. Uh, Charlie Cummings, you can toss a little follow at Claytheist11 if you don't already, but uh, excited to be coming off the bench for you guys again. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you. Appreciate you. And uh, a guy, Joe Bry, you know, if you've been following the Legacy podcast, he was on an episode of All Nat before. Um, excited to have him on again. Joe, how you doing, man? Yeah, doing great. Um, you know, I'm just so happy that the game ended at exactly two hours because these games go have gone on for too long. And I'm just glad to have a rest, like talk basketball and hopefully right later. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for being on. Uh, definitely agree. Um, you know, in the East Coast in America over here, it's about 1220 right now. So, yeah. Cranking these, <laughs> cranking these pods out at late night can get a little tough. But Warriors stomp the Thunder behind 42 points from Klay Thompson. 12 threes, you know, vintage Klay performance against the Thunder. We've seen it plenty of times before. Um, what are your guys' initial thoughts just on the game overall? Uh, let's start with you, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, man, what can you say? Like, Klay popping off on the Warriors again. I mean, on the Thunder again, he's just – He's got their goat for whatever reason. It's just ridiculous when you see him start to roll early and you can just feel the big game coming and ending with 12 threes, second most of his career feels pretty crazy. Uh, he was, he was getting a lot of looks that he really wanted. Um, Oklahoma city, not doing themselves a whole lot of favors with <laughs> a lot of drop coverage on his screens. And he was definitely lighting them up there. Um, but yeah, it was great. And I think, you know, I think we know Clay can do that, but was really awesome to see was Jordan Poole. Like he, he looked confident. He looked decisive with the ball in his hands. You know, I know Justin, like you and I have talked about that before. Like when he's going at it with a plan and he's making these quick decisions, he looks great. And when he's kind of just playing fast and loose, he can end up with more turnovers and gets a little dicier. But hey, man, 12 assists, four turnovers. He was making amazing reads all night couple really good dump off passes uh, off of his drives. So that's what was really awesome to see because we all know they need him to step up right now. For sure. For sure. Joe, how about you? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to highlight a couple of possessions that I think were really, really telling where, um, you know, there's the clay Looney combination. I think it's an underrated two man combination where you have those handoffs, you have those ball screens and clay, you know, he's been doing this for a while, so he knows how to play off of Looney ball screens where he pitches it to Looney, Looney hands it off to him, re-screen, and then he pulls up or drives inside, but he pulls up all the time. So, yeah. And it <laughs> doesn't help that OKC, Muscala was playing drop coverage, which is like, you know, Muscala, not really a versatile defender, so pretty much the only thing you can do uh, with him on the floor. And I wanted to point that out because it's something that I wanted – JP to do is to be more patient in ball screen possessions with Draymond with Looney because he has this habit of you know you, you guys know this where he rejects the screen and he goes fast and he either loses the handle turns over the ball falls over on his own feet and there was this one possession where I think it was the Dante three in the corner where he was more patient he waited for Looney to come over to set the screen uh, and then Looney uh, flipped the angle of the screen and that allowed JP to go downhill against Muscala, who is in drop coverage. And that allowed him to get a paint touch and pass to Dante in the corner. So it was those little things where JP has to do more. And he did do that more tonight. And that's, you know, you see it in the stat line, 11, like 11 assists, I think, and only two turnovers last time I checked. So, yeah, I mean, when he's under control, when he's under, uh, when he's measured, 
um, he's more effective player. He's a more dangerous player, and his scoring isn't his scoring wasn't forced. It was a product of him being measured and under control, setting each setting his teammates up. So uh, I love what I saw from him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you know last year he wasn't as you know scouted as as deeply as he is obviously this year, having won a championship and you know, exploding in the playoffs and stuff like that. So I think this stretch without Steph is going to be really important for him to establish a floor game because teams are going to be, you know, scouting for his scoring and stuff now. So, um, you know, he's people forget he's such a young player still that he's still figuring out, you know, different ways to attack and develop and and just, you know, it's a huge game for his development, I think, tonight. Um, Wiggins, Looney, and Draymond. Those three guys, you know, consistently, you know, from the last year to a lot this year, they've just established such a defensive presence for the Warriors. And it's and it has to be that, especially with Steph out. Um, I think Wiggins did an amazing job on Shade most of the night. Um, and Draymond and Looney were just flying all over the place. Looney's grabbing every rebound. Draymond's doing great things. Um, Charlie, like, what did you see defensively, you know, particularly from Wiggins on Shade that, like, really stood out to you? Yeah, so one of the things I highlighted earlier, um, I'm not as quick on the trigger as our guy Joe here, who's just clipping like a madman through the whole game. <laughs> but just, you know, writing down in my notes, like they threw out Shea, like Shea was being guarded by Wiggins and they had Kaminga defending Josh Giddy. So, you know, they're trying to throw their two best perimeter defenders at the creators. And, you know, the Warriors are still going to switch things. So you can't expect those matchups to hold up forever. And Shea was really brutalizing the mismatches early you know whenever he could get a big pulled out of the paint whenever he could get Jordan Poole he was going right after them um what did that big early start from them uh where I think they had like 12 of their first 15 points in the paint so you're kind of going oh no is it happening again um right they they really tightened the screws down I had from seven minutes left in the second to eight minutes left in the third, the Thunder only scored 12 points after coming out, like firing out of the gate. They really, they really put the hurt on them there. They were flying around with energy. And like you said, the really important thing is that they were cleaning up on the glass. Like they did not let those second chance opportunities get away from them. Only seven offensive rebounds for the Thunder tonight. Uh, you know, they're not some huge team, uh, and dominating on the glass, but it was about effort. You know, they were working for it. They were trying to get there. Um, they really put together a lot of solid possessions and then the offense just did not slow down. So that stretch right there where you had guys like Draymond and Wiggins really stepping it up, uh, some good defensive possessions out of Kevon Looney, of course, Dante chipping in. Um, they really just put it together as a unit. And I think that's the encouraging thing to see because we've seen so many times that they can kind of just, you know, fall apart. They get torched at the point of attack and then lose confidence. You know, it starts to affect the offense, but they really never slowed down on that end. They just kept what they were doing and started working for them. Yeah, for sure. Joe, how, how sustainable do you think that this level of defense is for them over the stretch without Steph? You know, it's heading into the All-Star break. They got, what, four games left at this point before All-Star. Um, so, like, what does that what does that look like for you? To me, it's really just all about Draymond's engagement level. Uh, he was really engaged tonight. You know, he was jawing at, uh, which was which one was it, Fitz? It? Arkansas, I think. Arkansas, Jalen Williams. <laughs> like, I, I get confused right. sometimes because Fitz <laughs> is like Arkansas, switching between Arkansas and Santa Clara. Why not just J-Dub and J-Will? But yeah, anyway, but um, right. yeah, that really, really uh, eye-catching block uh, from the restricted area. He started from there and then close out, clean, controlled, clean block. And yeah, it's all about Draymond, how engaged it is. And, you know, to be fair to him, he's been pretty much engaged for most of the season. I haven't really seen mm -hmm. a huge drop off from him. And it's worrying how... Like, you know, the reports, last, like, recent games where he's had that calf injury, uh, calf strain and all that. So I think as long as Draymond is healthy, as long as he's engaged, they can maintain this this level of defensive energy, you know, all, like, how many weeks, however, how many weeks Steph is out. And Jonathan Kaminga will be big, 
Andrew Wiggins, he looks like he's getting his legs back underneath him on defense, at least. Uh, offense, yep. he's getting there. Um, you know, uh, to me, it's all about how they can maintain that defensive versatility. It's always been their trademark, how they can switch coverages on the fly, switch uh, pick and roll coverages, like drop, level of the screen, et cetera, something like that, like, any, like stuff like that. Uh, they certainly don't have the kind of personnel that they did last year. No GP, auto, but they still have the top end talent to execute all the things that they want to execute on defense. So it's really just, you know, dotting their I's, crossing their T's. Uh, you know, I, I always say that, like, you know, if they're focused, if they're engaged, they can be the best defensive team out there. It's just that, you know, mm-hmm. it's long 82 game season, your focus seems to wax and wane. But yeah, I mean, without Steph for, you know, they don't know how long he's going to be out. They have to be locked in every game, every night. And they can certainly do it. And if they, like, let's say Steph comes back after the All-Star break and then the rest of the way they go one game above 500 or exactly 500, I think that's a win. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, So offensively, right, did you guys see anything like much different than what they usually run? Um, obviously, Steph being out makes a huge difference as to, you know, the potency of some of the sets they call and some of the looks that they're getting off of those sets with the gravity that he has and the shots that he can make and stuff like that. So did you guys see like a big difference in the approach as far as, you know, the amount of handoff actions they ran, screens, high screen and roll, anything like that? You can go with uh, you, Charlie, first. Well, I'll leave, I'll leave the specifics on the plays to our play genius, but um, I did, you know, I did notice they were really, they were going a lot heavier to the double drags. Joe, you pointed out too, like the 51 set, you know, running the double drags and then having Clay do that little like pop uh, back out of the screen uh, onto the perimeter. Um, I think more, you know, you could see sort of the mentality change of some of these guys. Like Wiggins, I think has been, you know, forcing the mid-range shot a little more recently while he tries to get his legs back under him. But with Steph out, when they're lacking sort of that, like, secondary creation, I think they're a little more willing to let him go on that end. Um, Jonathan Kaminga was definitely hunting a shot a little more than you would have expected. I think he took, like, two long middies tonight. He was looking a little more willing to drive. Uh, and one other thing, too, was, you know, Draymond Green's not going to get – not the guy who's going to – win you the game offensively, but he had a couple of possessions where he just recognized like get the rebound and go, you know, get the steal and go mm-hmm. really pushing the ball in transition and finding gaps. So I think they found little ways to, you know, sort of make up for it in the aggregate because so much of that creation is going to come from Jordan and clay, but you need these other guys to step up and, you know, find ways to pick their spots and find other ways to contribute. And it's not going to be as pretty as the offense that Steph's bring to the, bring to the table every night, but they have other ways to sort of find ways around the margins to get a little bit more juice out of these guys. For sure. Let's get into the sets, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be too, uh, you know, keep it simple so people would understand, but um, yeah, I don't, I didn't see anything drastically different. Uh. The the thing that I did notice was, um, you know, we know Steph is uh, one of the best, if not the best, pick and roll ball handlers in the league. Uh, when they ran those double drags, those just those simple high ball screens, uh, you know, Steph has that ability to get downhill, and because you know, like the bigs would step up high, he's gonna attack their front foot, and you know, just all of those aggressive coverages, Steph can turn the corner and go downhill. But they ran the same, um, like I test said, like my I test says, they ran about the same amount of ball screen possessions tonight. But they didn't have the same kind of downhill juice that Steph could provide, which is why Jordan Poole being able to get into the paint the way he did tonight was huge. Because if he can do that on a more consistent basis, uh, you know, if he can replicate what Steph can do in terms of drawing in help from the weak side and then finding those shooters on the perimeter, then I think they can survive the non-Steph period that they'll, they'll be experiencing these past, these upcoming couple of weeks or games. And yeah, like the 51 set, I noticed that they've been running that a lot for clay. Uh, there's this one instance where 
Draymond got called for a moving screen earlier, which is a shame because it's it was a perfectly ran instance of it. But anyway, um, they ran floppy for Clay. Floppy's been in a play since like the early 2000s. It's uh, age old mm-hmm. play, but it still works because if you have one of the greatest shooters of all time coming off of it, then why not, right? Um, yeah, in double drags, the nor- the typical kind, they call it 55. Um, split action, it's always a staple. Uh, so bottom line, Steve's not going away from anything. Right. Uh, he's not doing anything different. It's just that, you know, exec- for me, it all comes down to execution. Uh, you can have, if, if Jordan's getting into the paint, if Clay is ho- as hot as he is tonight, I mean, you know, maybe he's not going to be as hot in the upcoming games, but if he can at least get a few shots off, off of those movement sets, then I think I won't have a problem with Steve running the same stuff. I mean, I've always been an advocate of running your pet stuff, going back to what you know. Uh, instead of changing things up on the fly, so let's see, let's see what happens against uh, Portland, against the Lakers on on Saturday, and hopefully it's the same. Yeah, yeah, I think I sure. think it's kind of healthy too to like you know, like you said, you don't have to massively tweak the kind of plays you're running, but if you can kind of get into guys' ears and say, you know, hey, here's where you need to be a little more aggressive, here's where you need to pick your spot. Um, I think the one thing that I like too is they're running a lot of like their strong split actions, you know, like, and really mixing up the personnel. Like I saw Ty Jerome was the guy like passing in and then screening away and they were trying to get like pool for the three going to his left. Um, Just the little wrinkles like that, that are so fun because usually you see like, Oh, you know, it's like uh, Kavon Looney's passing in and then he's screening and Draymond's like the passing hub in the post. But it's like, no, we're going to have Ty Jerome run this now, or we're going to have, you know, Clay curling off to his right, which, as you both know, I'm a big fan of, like, get Clay every single shot we can going to his right. Um, That kind of stuff, I think, is really encouraging, too, where, you know, just blending the personnel a little bit more, making it a little harder for teams to read that. Yeah, I think I think they could afford they they could have afforded to experiment a bit tonight because the Thunder aren't really, especially without Lou Dort. They're not going to be world beaters on defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, Steve kind of did some experimentation tonight, which is fine and it worked. So, but yeah, I mean, let's see how, uh, let's see how how he'll approach like more tough teams like Portland and the Lakers on Saturday. So, yeah, for me, it's all about knowing what you knowing what you're doing, getting to your pet stuff, and just executing. For sure, for sure. I mean, it was interesting to see them post Wiggins and Kaminga for like uh, more than usual um, and kind of utilize them as scores as well, especially when Shea got in foul trouble. You really couldn't do anything with Wiggins down there. Um, I think that's something they should kind of explore a little bit more, especially against specific matchups like Thunder, a smaller team. Um, like I said, they don't have Lou Dort. They didn't have Lou Dort tonight, so that's somebody that can be a little bit more physical inside. But if they don't have a guy like that, I think they can generate a, some pretty good offense, like quick hits from from Wiggins, from Kaminga, um, just so they can kind of mix it up a little bit, keep the defense honest. But um, let's break here. We'll, we'll be right back. Let's go to Spaces, Odyssey Original Podcast, and we'll see you in a bit. NBA Warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. We are back. We are back. I can't bring the vibes like Nat does. She she's she's one of a kind. But um, but um, we're trying our best over here. You know what I mean? We're gonna shift our focus a little bit towards trade deadline season. And I believe we have uh, about two days. If you're we're in your East Coast, we're in Tuesday now. So we got about two three days left. Um, Jerry Vanderbilt's name has been thrown out there a lot, especially in the Warriors timeline. Um, there's Kelly Olenek been thrown out. There's a bunch of guys that are just kind of in the air. So we'll just go through a few guys that we've been hearing about and I guess potentially, you know, how they'll be able to help the Warriors or how confident we are in the Warriors being able to make a move or willing to make a move. Um, so let's kind of, let's kind of go into it now. Um, I guess I'll start us off with uh, Vanderbilt. I think, you know, I said in the last pod, I I would be happy. I'll be more than happy to get a guy like that. I think he can help shore up the defense. 
Um, even though Jamaica has been playing a lot better recently, I think, you know, Vanderbilt is obviously just a better player. And I think he can scale up and down a little bit better defensively, um, provide some rebounding. Also, just he'll help on offense, passing and all that type of stuff. Um, whether or not I think the Warriors are going to be, you know, bold enough or whatever, willing to make a move. I'm just not very confident on that, but I guess we'll see within the next few days. Um, what do you, what are you guys thinking? What are you thinking, Charlie? Yeah. With Vanderbilt, I think we all saw the report today where it said that like some Western conference team offered a couple seconds. Um, that's always a report when you read it, I'm like, all right, well, the team who offered that definitely just leaked that information. Uh, they're definitely trying to maybe drive the price mm-hmm. down a little bit, make him seem a little more attainable than he is. Um, considering the control, I think he's got a pretty reasonable contract for next year as well. Um, he's a quality player, so the price is definitely going to be a little higher than that. And, you know, I have my reservations because I worry I worry if this team is truly able to stomach like a – a non-offensive player, really. Um, you know, I've had some questions at times about his screening ability. You know, like he's got a pretty high tendency to slip the screen. Um, even when he sets the screen, he's, you know, he's middling at it. Um, he should be a little better at it for his size. Granted, the guy is really young, but, you know, you have to take that into account. This is a team that I think, even if he is a quality player, they don't need to get younger. They need to bring in veterans. Um, I love... The glass crashing is the thing that really stands out. He'd be a major benefit to them, especially on the offensive glass. Uh, I think the concern, though, is that if you're going to kind of roll with this smaller front court and if you're not going to bring another body in there, I have my questions about, you know, Michael Green's kind of long-term prospects as a spacer. And if you're putting Kaminga in with him as well, then, you know, you don't want to roll with that whole bench unit, but then three to five coming off the bench, you have like three negative spacing options. And that's a little worrisome to me. You know, Vanderbilt's defense, I think quite hasn't been as amazing out on the perimeter as I expected. He's a pretty good, he's a pretty good rotator. You know, he can help you on the defensive glass, but I don't think he quite makes the impact that it's made out to be. So I'm a, I'm a little hesitant on sort of how the fit works there because he's a really good player, but you need a lot of very specific things around him. And I don't think the Warriors quite have the personnel uh, to accommodate that right now. What do you think, Joe? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, for me, the way I approach trades is um, if they're ready-made, if they're ready to be in the system and they don't have to be their hands won't have to be held. They won't have to learn the system that much. Uh, and I like I, I like Vanderbilt, you know, defensive guy. He like, he provides a lot of help side, rim protection, uh, lengthy, he's always, and, you know, energy guy. Uh, perhaps in the, in the vein of a GP2 maybe. But, yeah, I mean, it's the offensive, offensive fit that gives me pause where – Someone of his size is going to be expected to perhaps be a passing hub out of the elbows. You know, Steve's going to, Steve's going to put him in those positions where he has to make those reads. He has to make those decisions. And I don't think he's in that. He's in, he's not in that space at this point of his career where he can make Mm -hmm. those advanced level reads like a Looney can, like a Draymond Green can. And yeah, like going back to what I said, I think when they, if they're going to get someone, it has to be someone who already knows the system. And that's going to be hard because you have to look for someone who plays a similar style, if not an identical style to the Warriors, where there's a lot of motion, there's a lot of uh, passing from the elbows and up top. And, you know, if you're looking for just defense, if wing defense, I think you already have that in Kaminga and, and Wiggs. I don't think that's something that they need right now. So they probably probably need a big who can, you know, they never really had a big who can space out and also at the same time can can be that passing hub and also to eat up minutes. You know, Looney and Draymond are getting overworked. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, the, they're the center depth right now. I mean, J- Jamichael, yeah. I, but you never really know how sustainable his play will be. Like, you know, he's been playing good, but is he a playoff 
is he a playoff level guy? You know, right, right. At least in the first round, right? And you just need someone to be at least take those minutes off of Looney because poor guy, he's hustling his ass off, but you know, you never know what can happen, right? So I think they need that more, that that archetype more than uh, like a wing defender. Than Vanderbilt, right? Than for Vanderbilt. sure. I mean, I, I said I said last part like JMG has been playing well, but it's like I want to see you do it against good teams like consistently before I'm ready to put you into a playoff rotation. Um, but it sounds like you're describing Olenek, um in this you know, this, the archetype of a player that can stretch the floor as a big uh, pass veteran guy who doesn't have to have his hand held and um, potentially could be like kind of like what Belly was last season. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's probably a little bit higher ceiling with Olenek than, than Belly last year. Um, so like, what do you guys think of a guy like that? Like he's, I think he makes 12 million this year. So assuming it would have to be a Wiseman swap, um, Wiseman plus players or um, type of swap, whereas Vanderbilt, I think, makes four and a half, five. So it could potentially just be, you know, some some draft capital plus Moses or something like that. Um, if it costs more, which it does, it costs more to get Olenek. So would you guys be more, you know, on board with that rather than getting a guy like Vanderbilt who might be a little bit redundant but cost less? Yeah, I think, you know, having a guy with a little more of an advanced of a court feel like Olenek, and he's not going to light things up in terms of his passing, but he's definitely going to really bring something to the table there. Um, I think he's got, he's got, you know, the size, he's got pretty good hands. Um, he's not going to, he's not going to really bring too much defensively. I think he maybe is a little more scheme limited then you know they would prefer because they're so comfortable just being like hey if you manage to pull looney out on the switch good luck beating him uh but you pull kelly Mm -hmm. out on the switch it's probably going to go a little bit better for you um but i think what you look for in these warriors bigs is like the guys who keep the ball moving um 87th percentile assist rate among bigs for kelly 84th and assist per usage um, which I always really love to see. It's like, hey, you may not have your ball in the hands all the time, but are you making the right decisions? Are you keeping things moving? Um, and sort of, you know, adding adding a little more to the team. And because this team is so motion-based, there's cutters flying everywhere. There's shooters peeling off screens at all angles. Um, they're looking to make the extra skip passes if they can and use a little use a little more of that post-hub stuff. That's where I think Olenek would start to fit in a little better. And because you're just asking him to be the bench guy, I think it's a lot more reasonable. You know, he's not going to usurp the job from Kavon Looney. Uh, I think mm-hmm. having having a bit of a better spacing option from the front court would be really big because we've seen that Poole and Kaminga, when they're focused and they're going, they can be really good drivers, but they're definitely susceptible to uh, being like taken out by help coming out of the corners. Um, so if you have a guy who can – slide above the break and space the floor there, then that really helps. Yeah. Uh, you know, Olenek, you know, there's this one, there's one set where, you know, the Warriors already pop out their big and run stuff out of, uh, out of like delay. Like they have their big up top and then moving, moving pieces on both sides. And I think Olenek will be perfect for those kinds of situations because, you know, teams, when it's Looney or Draymond, it's, um, smarter defensive teams will play up higher against them because they want to play the pass. They want to, they don't want to give Looney and Draymond the space to uh, make those decisions, but otherwise most teams just sag off of them. And to me, Olenek adds at a dimension of shooting where if teams sag off against them, then he can just pull up for that. I mean, there, we've seen plenty of times this season where, uh, you know, especially smarter defensive teams where they fight over those screens and then they switch everything off the ball. And Looney and Draymond are just stuck up there uh, with nothing to do because they've already, mm-hmm. they've either they've already used up their dribble or they can't find anyone. And if Olenek is the one there and that, and then like, you know, theoretically, if he's there, he can just pull up and if he's given space and that will give defenses uh, more to think about. So he's definitely add, he definitely adds that, different dimension that the Warriors haven't had before. Uh, you know, 
even if you have like a you know let's say like a Jakob Pertl, Pertl's not really a shooting uh, a shooter a spacer. So to me, Olenek, you know, I think you can swallow you can swallow the fact that he's not as defensively versatile and as effective as let's say maybe a, a Jakob Pertl. Uh, if you slot him in next to Draymond, I don't think that would be a problem. If you surround him with wings, mm-hmm. uh, if you put good point of attack guys, it's not going to be a problem. Uh, not the three guard lineup though. I mean, anything but that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think the defense would be a problem if you surround him with the right guys. And you know, if the Warriors can make it happen, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they have the the willingness to do it. But if they can, then I think they should. For sure. For sure. Um, what about, you know, there's some there's some people that think, you know, the team needs more point of attack guys like Alice Caruso. That name has been brought up a few times. I'm in the camp that they don't necessarily need any any more guys like Alice Caruso. It's kind of like you already have, um, you know, Wiggins and Kaminga are your two big wing point of attack guys. But you also have Dante who can kind of stick with like smaller guards a little bit. And he's pesky and stuff like that. So I think in the long term, and then even Clay matches up with some bigger wings as well. We saw he did a good job on Tatum earlier this season. And I do think in the playoff series, you know, given a, a game plan, he'll be able to uh, play pretty good defense on another big wing. Um, so given that, I don't think we need to add a guy like Caruso, but like, what are your guys thoughts on if he can come in and potentially fill, you know, just some, some bench minutes and, you know, play that way. Yeah, I, I feel largely the same as I did about Vanderbilt, where the player in a vacuum is great. I know Caruso's had some offensive struggles this year. Um, granted, the Bulls, period, have just had struggles this year, so it's hard to pin so much of that on him. Um, but he does feel a little redundant in that sense, where, you know, like you said, there is a lot of good point of attack. Um, I don't I don't think they're really lacking for like those second, third creators, uh, which Caruso can be, you know, like a positive ball mover. He's a decent cutter. um, But, you know, you have to look at it from the frame of, yes, we know that they're going to be really hesitant with their assets. Um, They're not going to be eager to just jump into things just because, Oh, we need, we think we need to make a trade. So let's go make a trade. Like that's not how they operate. So I think it'd be, a little, you know, a little, a little bit of an ill fit there, uh, in the same way that Vanderbilt would be, because they have the point of attack. Um, they have guys who I think are bringing a little more defense than offense at times, and adding another one of those guys into the mix isn't, you know, it'll it'll solve some of their problems, but it'll also hurt them in other ways. Um, so, you know, Caruso's great, and I think we know that Steve Kerr loves the guy. Uh, he feels like such a right. steep player, but, uh, you know, I find myself a little hesitant on that front as well. How about you, Joe? Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think they need a Caruso. I think Dante is good enough. I mean, I mean, if you compare the two, I think Caruso's defensively more versatile. I think he can switch up. Uh, he can switch up to front court players easily, uh, sort of like a GP two. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think they need another I don't want like small guard, uh, a guard esque type of player. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Basically, Charlie just said everything I was going to say about Crusoe. I don't think he moves the needle enough for me to say, oh, you know, this is going to be a, a game changer. There's a lot of like, yeah, there's a lot of redundancy in that aspect, much like Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, Crusoe doesn't do it for me. So I got one. Got I got one too. I want to throw at you guys because I've been considering it ever since the news came out that uh, Kevin Love is on the outs of the Cavs rotation, and you know who knows? Like we've 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 heard the buyout dance with him before, and he stuck around, and it may be a little bit of a pipe dream, but he sort of seems like the perfect mesh of the Warriors. I think we all get the sense they don't want to take the big swing right now. That's more of the off season play. And if he gets bought out, I think they really need to explore that option because, um, you know, combo pitch slash plug. I got my article coming out on him tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> he's 99th percentile defensive rebounding rate right now. He's still 
killing it on the glass, not, you know, the double-double machine we saw back in Minnesota, but he's still really effective on there. He takes a ton of above-the-break threes and still makes them. Going back to that point on, you know, having that spacing option like a Linux who's not just kind of stationed in the corner, you know, he's taking like the tags and digs out of the play for their drivers. Um, he's still an excellent like post hub. He can pass out of the post. He can run their, their DHO, their delay actions. And man, the outlet passing is still there too. I think, you know, the Warriors are kind of middle in the pack. Um, coming into tonight, they were 13th in transition offense. And I think given the personnel, you know, the athletes they have, they could be better at that. And having a guy who can rip the board down and start the break with guys like Kuminga, Draymond, Clay, who have been really good at leaking out. Uh, I think there could be some really good synergy there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've been kind of like waiting for Kevin Love to to be available for like a few years <laughs> now. <laughs> you know, what I mean, um, for all the reasons you said, like can stretch the floor, can pass, rebound. He fits in. He's a vet. So like he's, like Joe said earlier, he won't have to hold his hand. He's very familiar with the Warriors, obviously. Um, so I, I would be all on board for it. And they, I mean, they got to find the use, in my opinion, for that empty roster spot somehow. Um, just give just give their guys, like, the best shot possible. Just, you know, get in as many troops as they can and, and kind of go forward from there. So what do you what do you think, Joe? Yeah, uh, I see it the same way as the, uh, the Kelly Olenek option, except if it's a buyout, obviously, it'll be much cheaper. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, you come a long way from the clay for Kevin Love rumors and, you know, make it like make it happen if, if that's possible for me. Uh, defensively, of course, that's the that's the concern, but much much in the same manner as with Olenek. I think if you pair him up with Draymond with a couple of wings, good POA guys, I don't think it'll be a problem. I mean, the spacing, the passing hub, the rebounding, I mean, that's important. I mean, you know how, you know how the Warriors have had problems with rebounding all season long i think that i think that would be huge for them they could use that and in the end you know why not it's a it's, a, it's low risk high reward potentially and i think they should do it if that's on the table there you go um we'll be right back after this break uh, we'll see you guys on the other side For all NBA Warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. And we are back. Golden Spaces, Odyssey Original Podcast. Got Charlie and Joe in here, chopping it up, having a good time after a huge win over the OKC Thunder. Um, Kyrie Irving got traded, guys. I'm not sure if you know. Um, He's a Dallas Maverick now, along with Markeith Morris. It's always funny to, like, see like fringe rotation guys or bench guys get attached to superstars and trades it's kind of <laughs> like when you get sent over there like how do you even feel you know what i mean like do you feel like the superstar is kind of obligated to look after you because you're kind of like the tag along with them i don't know i would just feel awkward if i was marquise but that's just always been funny to me how you guys feel about that trade though that's interesting right yeah joe i kind of want to hear your thoughts on like the the dynamic of, you know, Dallas's defense right now, because obviously that's where all the questions are at, you know. Kyrie, Luca, great, but who's stopping yeah. them on there? You mean like their defense or other teams' defense on them? Their defense. Their defense. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think the the optimistic take on that is that you're hoping that they score like 150 and the other team doesn't score like 200. <laughs> right. So, yeah. but yeah, I yeah. mean, the thing with the thing with me is that they just lost their best wing defender, if not their best overall defender in uh, Dorian Finney Smith. And he kind of did provide that, that defensive versatility that they were able to have in terms of switching in terms of, you know, being able to shore up those backline disadvantages because, you know, DFS can defend those larger front court players. And that was pretty much their base coverage this season and in the past season where they switch everything, except if you had Christian Wood, if you had Dwight Powell at the five, 
uh, th that would be more of a drop, traditional coverage and all that. But if, when they went small, it switched everything. And that worries me if they go small whenever they have Luka and Kyrie on the floor because, you know, they're going to give up the easy switch most likely. And they're going to be more prone to maybe being hunted because if you're going to hunt Luka, then who's going to be the guy helping behind him? If you're going to hunt Kyrie, who's going to be the guy helping behind him? Etc. Etc. And yeah, that worries me on the defensive side of things. So I'm having a hard time. Like you know, obviously the offensive fit is going to be seamless. You know, Mavs already run the most isolations in the league, and you happen to have two of the best isolation scorers in the league. So I'm not worried about the that your turn, my turn element. Uh, it's gonna have it's gonna be somewhat similar to the dynamic between Kyrie and LeBron. Maybe to a lesser extent because LeBron is LeBron, but Luca, Luca is up there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Kyrie off the ball because Kyrie's an underrated off ball guy. Like he's not getting enough, not getting enough credit for uh, making himself available off the ball. He's not exactly James Harden off the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, the defensive side of things is where it's troubling, and it's what makes me think that it's not going to be enough for a championship, let alone be out in the West, like to go out of the West. I don't think it'll move mm -hmm. the needle enough for me for them to win a Western Conference title. I mean, although, you know, anything can happen. It could get hot, but I don't think it'll happen. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, that's the thing for me defensively. And I get the feeling, you know, we've seen the rumors about Christian Wood. I get the feeling that they're going to try to flip him for as many short-term defensive pieces as they can get, especially on the wings. Uh, you need like Dwight Powell is good at what he is, is just, you know, being a role man, like doing his thing on the glass, but he's not going to be cleaning that stuff up. Um, and, you know, Kyrie, like Kyrie, I think, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm giving him credit for anything in general, but like he's, he's kind of stepped up on the defensive end, you know, on the ball. Like he's, I think, having one of his better, if not his best defensive seasons right now. But the thing for me is, you know, even if you are, even if you are hunting those guys and you're doing a good job, one of them is going to be off the ball defensively at all times. So they have to stay responsible on that end. And I think you see too, you know, Joe, I, I totally agree. Like the whole, Oh, my turn, your turn. There's only one ball. Like, you know, when my turn, your turn is getting like 60 points a game on like ridiculous efficiency, like those two can do. It's not really a point of concern. But it is tiring. You know, like you see Luca wear down as these games go on on the defensive end of the floor. You know, all so many players, I think we're so spoiled by having a guy like Steph who rarely takes defensive possessions off. But guys who are shouldering that much of an offensive load tend to, you know, get a little drifty and sort of wander around towards the end of the games, take possessions off. So that's the thing for me is – how do they navigate that? You know, how do they stay engaged throughout the games? Um, and when you're not hunting those two, you know, you can go after Reggie Bullock. He's not exactly stout out there and he's not exactly bringing <laughs> a ton of offense either. So they have major concerns and, you know, I think there's still moves to be made for them uh, before the deadline comes, but it, yeah, I agree. You know, like it feels weird to say that, trading for one of the better point guards in the league is not a huge needle mover, but it brings up a lot of issues for this team for sure. Yeah. I think um, they kind of, I mean, you, you, when a guy like that becomes available, you kind of always got to see like, is it worth bringing them on, especially everything that comes with Kyrie. But I mean, like you guys said, offensively, it can just take your team to a, to a level that you feel like you can score you know, confidently score against any defense in the league at any level in the playoffs. But it's like your defense is going to take you, you know, to the finals. If you if you don't have a, a good defense, then you're just going to run into a ton of issues and you're just going to have to outscore other teams like pretty much every time. Um, so I'm not too like worried about it. I think it would be a fun matchup for the Warriors in the playoffs. Um, it'd just be cool to see the guys going at them like, you know, is Wiggins going to stick Kyrie and then you put Clay on Luka? Do you put Clay on Kyrie? Do you put Draymond on Luka and Wiggins on, on Kyrie? It's just 
going to be pretty cool to see if they ever match up. Um, feel pretty confident in the Warriors in that series, though. But um, yeah, got to see. I guess got to see what they what they cook up towards the end of the deadline as far as the Mavericks are concerned to see if they can kind of find something to shore up what little semblance of a defense they have left after that trade. Um, so just looking at the standings right now, the Warriors are seventh, right? Um, you know, they are two and a half games out of third still, and you know, two and a half games out of 12th. Um, huge, obviously huge um, few games coming up for them. But just kind of looking big picture, right? Like Denver is pretty much locked in the first. They're four and a half games ahead of Memphis. Memphis is only two games ahead of Sacramento in third. But um, I would I would go on and let me say Memphis holds on to the second seed. Where would you guys want to be when playoff starts as far as playoff matchups, right? Like I've, you know, gone on the record to say that I want to see the Kings in the first round. I think that would probably be the easiest matchup as far as, you know, another team that has a ton of offense, but they, they shouldn't be able to match up defensively with the Warriors, especially with the type of speed they play with. And you could potentially really hurt a team that plays, you know, Sabonis as many minutes as they, as they do. And that would also put you in the Memphis Grizzlies bracket for the second round. If you see them, if they make it to the second round, um, would you guys rather be like in Denver's path or in like Memphis's path? Like, what do you, what are you thinking there? Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of been beating a dead horse for me all year, but I'm adamant on like, you got to get yourself out of the play. And even if you just squeak into the sixth seed, you know, just guaranteeing yourself a seven game series instead of, you know, one or two anything can happen games because you know obviously that 2020 2021 team was not en route to a championship but Mm -hmm. just having that come down to like two brutal last second shots against star players you know LeBron with his I can't see three-pointer and jaw hitting that floater like that's the stuff that happened two threes yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, generational capper. Um, but <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, that's see, that's the thing for me is like we've seen it time and time again. This team is very hard to beat in seven games because they make adjustments. They have players who are very smart and know how to change things from game to game. You never really feel like they're out of it in a series at all, um, even when they get down early. We saw that in the finals last year. You know, Celtics steal a game on the road and Warriors kind of storm back into commanding it just within a few games by making the right adjustments. Um, And, you know, the thing for me is like the top two seeds, you know, I, I'm starting to believe in Denver more and more with each passing game because they got a lot of the wings that you need around Jokic. Aaron Gordon is having an incredible season. We've seen that Jamal Murray can get really, really hot. Um, You know, preferably Mm -hmm. if there's, no fans in the stadium, but like the guy is, <laughs> he can be a lightning rod offensively. And for sure, I think, you know, when you look at like the three seed, I think it's, it's sort of this jumble where like maybe Dallas rises to it. You know, Phoenix is always in the mix. The Clippers are somehow navigating their way through like Kawhi and Paul George being so banged up. And then you have Sacramento, which, you know, they keep doing the thing. So like it, it feels wrong to doubt them, but you know, it's like, I need to see it first. So Mm. that's the thing for me is like, if you get yourself out of the play in and you get yourself into either the six or the five spot and you guarantee going against a team that you've either been able to handle in the past, like the Clippers or the Mavericks or a team like the Suns and the Kings who have a ton of talent, but they've just, you know, found ways to kind of shoot themselves in the foot over the years. And we've especially seen with Phoenix, like they really have work to do in the playoffs. Um, that's, that's, I think really important for me is if, if you're going to go on the road, make sure it's against a team who's going to fear your playoff acumen. They're going to feel like the underdogs, even if they have the higher seed and you just got to take that gap and run with it. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing the standings right now, let, let's say Warriors are six instead of the Suns. Uh, that gives matches them up against the Kings, which I like. I think the Kings um, can't. The Kings are gonna try to play the same type of pace, the same type of 
uh, offense. Like they're gonna they're gonna play the Warriors game. They're gonna run up, up and down the floor. They're gonna play fast. And I don't think you can beat the Warriors that way. Uh, especially you know you know I love I love Domas Domas Sabonis, but I don't think he's the kind of anchor that the Kings can survive with in a seven game series against the Warriors. So I'm definitely up for that matchup. Um, if they're in the sixth seed, they're going to get matched up with the Grizzlies most likely in the second round. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think with like, just like Charlie, I'm much more worried <laughs> about the Nuggets this season because, uh, right. you know, Jokic, Jokic is Jokic. He's incredible, but also more importantly, the supporting cast around him is much better this season. And that's what Jokic has really needed all these years is to have a better supporting cast. Uh, you know, not to mention that the, you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. alongside him, and the three of them are, they've already gone to Western Conference Finals. You know, it's a bubble season, you know. If you want to put an asterisk on that, <laughs> then that's fine. But yeah, I mean, it still counts as a Western Conference Finals. They went they went back up from 3-1 down twice in a single playoff, mm-hmm. in a single playoff. So, you know, those three, I think they can go far and they can be a dangerous team alongside with KCP, alongside with Bruce Brown, uh, much better Aaron Gordon this season. I don't think I'd want to see them till the Western Conference Finals. So I'm up for a Grizzlies matchup. I think, yeah, I think the Grizzlies have more work to do in a playoff setting. Yeah. I don't think they're there yet. And Ja is the kind of guy that you can put pressure on defensively over the course of a seven-game series. Uh, you know, you know, much was made of last last playoffs where the Grizzlies were a much better defensive team without him. Uh, you can argue that they were a much better team without him, uh, at least in that series. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ja's much like to me. I don't mind like like Jokic can survive those moments where he's being targeted much better than Ja can because mm-hmm. I think Jokic is a better defender than Ja. Uh, you know, I think Ja gets lost a lot in, ter- in terms of screen navigation, in terms of where to be, in terms of off ball. Um, so for me, the Grizzlies he's tiny. are for the, yeah, he's tiny. He's, <laughs> the Grizzlies are the matchup to target. And I think the Warriors get up for that too. So, you know, you know, they're going to get up for that. So yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but it just seems like the Grizzlies kind of taken a step back this season a little bit. Whether it's been due to injury or they just can't get a rhythm. Obviously, they have lost uh, a ton of games recently. I want to say they're 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 two and eight in their last ten. They just lost three in a row, um, but they just don't seem like they're all the way together, at least at this moment in time. And you know. They like like you said, they're just still a little bit young and they think a little bit highly of themselves in a way where you can see them just not being as locked in as they as they possibly could be. Um so I would I'm a, I'm in agreement. I think Kings and Grizzlies and then probably Nuggets would be the best path for Golden State. And I mean if they see the Kings in the first round, that's even if without home court advantage, they're pretty much at home. Right. <laughs> so um that's that would be, a, in my opinion, that would probably be a quick series. Um, what about New Orleans? Like, you guys see New Orleans climbing back up the standings and making some noise. They're, they're kind of in that Grizzlies realm where they just got a lot of young talent, but they got more veterans, I think, you know, mixed into their team. And their their young guys are older young guys as well. So they could be potentially scary, you know, for, for any team in the playoffs, given how good Zion and B.I. are. Yeah, I think for them, you know, it's sort of a cop-out to be like, oh, health. But health for the Pelicans worries me more than any other team. You know, they really have kind of fallen into a well, a bit of a free fall without Brandon Ingram, and he's trying to work his way back. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Memphis struggling right now. New Orleans also 2-8 and eight over the last 10. They're hitting a bit of a rough skid. Um, really – really since the new year started, I want to say they're like four and 17. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been pretty rough and it's not entirely on them. You know, like they are a young team, they have a lot of talent, but when you're missing such a crucial piece like Brandon Ingram, uh, 
it really has sort of this cascade effect because, you know, they have guys like Herb Jones who need to kind of be insulated offensively to really shine on the other end of the floor. Um, they have guys like Jonas Valanciunas is really good as sort of like this. He spaces the floor a little bit. He bruises inside. He makes some plays like they have they have so many things that I think it's just a very it's a very fragile structure. And, you know, we know Zion's had his health concerns. So if they're getting into the playoffs and they're hot and they've got all their guys going like in the lineup and cooking, then, yeah, I do think they present some really concerning stuff because who who the hell guards Zion Williamson? Like, you know, whoever you're throwing <laughs> at there is just in for a really rough time. The Warriors are always hesitant to, you know, pull Draymond out to the perimeter, even though he's a really excellent perimeter defender. Like you need him there on the back line, cleaning things up. Um, Ingram is really special. And I think McCollum has brought this really different dimension to them where when the young guys are kind of floundering and they're looking for a little more consistency, he can come in and bring that on the offensive end of the floor. And they have all the right personnel to sort of mask his shortcomings and Zion's as well. So it's, it's, it's teetering for me, you know, like I, I really like them on paper, but I, you know, I sort of question what happens if they come in at anything less than a hundred percent to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're a team that, that really depends a lot on rim pressure. Uh, and I would say around 80 to 90% of that rim pressure comes from Zion. Uh, you know, they, they run a lot of their sets based on what Zion can do when he touches the paint. And it's just different without him. And, you know, nothing against Brandon Ingram. He's a talented guy. But, you know, if your offense is structured around Zion creating these advantages and he's not there, uh, who, you, who do you have in place of him who can create the same, account, the same type of advantages? Uh, I don't think there's anyone on the roster that can do that. And they don't. You know, they don't take a lot of threes. Uh, most of the threes they get is off of those created advantages, off those paint touches. So, yeah, to me, it's basically a matter of health, like like Zion's health, to be more specific. Um, you know, if he comes back, they can make a run. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they're far into the standings where they have to make you know, kind of like the Warriors where their margin for error is really, really small. And, you know, at the most, they can probably be up there, six, can sneak in into a playoff spot. But the way things go are going, I don't think they'll get out of the play-in. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, potential playoff matchup, they can be dangerous for anyone if they manage to get into the playoffs. But I don't see it. Like it's hard. It's getting hard to see it happening, and it's such a shame because they had a hot start, and they were one of the teams in the league where you really want to root for them. You know, they just play hard. They just play basketball. They're a young team. They're coached by Willie Green. You know, uh, under the Steve Kerrtree, former assistant. And yeah, I mean, it's just a shame. He's doing one hell of a coaching job too. I think he would he would have been in consideration for coach of the year if mm -hmm. they stayed healthy. So yeah, it's just tough to see. Yeah, so far we're yeah. sitting at twelve games where they've both been on the court together and we're 55 games into the season. So yeah. It's yeah. Tough. It's has, has Kawhi and PG played more games together this season than those, than those two. Maybe. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be fun to, to, to compare. <laughs> what do you but, think um, over or under? I'll take, I'll, I'll take go, uh, under. I'll go over. I'll take the under. Oh over. shit. <laughs> Let's I'll see. take me on there on that. Oh, 25. <laughs> I so feel like Kawhi only plays if Paul George is playing. Yeah, that's true. They that's, do kind of do yeah, they're a pack they're a package they're deal of... at this point, so yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right, we got one more thing before we get out of here. There's been, you know, a lot to make of, of how the Warriors have started their season and the trends that you've seen like over the history of the NBA, right? Like teams who fall into this category typically don't win championships. Teams that fall into this category typically do that type of thing. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I'm, I can't remember a time where 
this many teams have been so close in the standings, so close in, you know, point differential and net rating and all these things. Do you guys like in a season like this, are you really looking into those historical, you know, markers and saying like, it's just not looking good for the Warriors? Or are you just saying like, like, what are you, how are you looking at those, those uh, things? I mean, the optimist in me just kind of says, you know, there's a first time for everything. Like, sure, these things haven't happened, but, you know, as traumatic as it is, uh, no one ever thought 3-1 in the finals was ever going to happen, and it did. Like, Same thing I said. Think, yeah, <laughs> like, th- things happen, man. Like, you can't – and, you know, of course, that kind of thing happens when you have a guy like LeBron James on the other side, and this team has – like the best trio of the last decade. And if they're all there together and they're healthy and they're playing well, I have a very hard time doubting this team. Even if they're with, you know, 45, 46 wins, like how many 45, 46 win teams have a three-man core that that's, that's that good, this battle-tested, especially in the playoffs, this confident in their own abilities. So, yeah, you know, like – Historical precedents be damned. We got Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I've, I've, brought, I've brought this up a couple of times in the past, but uh, there have only been two teams in history over the past two decades that have finished outside of the top 10 in defensive rating and have gone on to win the title. Uh, one of them is the oh the 2001 Lakers. They were 22nd, I think, in defensive rating. And the other one is the uh, 2018 Warriors. They were 11th. Uh, I know, like that's technically not top 10, but it, that's technically not top 10. But it's, I mean, it's still in, on the fringe. But yeah, it's it still counts. Right. So yeah, mm-hmm. it still counts. And you know, both of them got both of them in the playoffs were number one team in defense. And right now, the Warriors are 14th in defensive rating. Yeah, so. You know they're 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 looking in, they're peering in defensively, and I think it's just a matter of them just cleaning things up. You know, cleaning things up, uh, executing uh, to finish respectable ranking in the defensive rating at the end of the season, and they can switch that. They can switch that on in the playoffs. I mean, prove it's been proven in the past that they just have a different level, a different gear to them when the stakes are much higher. So, yeah, I mean. There's already a precedent for it. I mean, it's not it's not that it's not common. I mean, only two times in the past. But if they can turn that defensive switch on in the playoffs, I mean, you've got Draymond Green, you still got Andrew Wiggins, you've got a Jonathan Kaminga who's you know made strides in his development, especially as a defender. Then yeah, I mean, you know, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt them doing it. Uh, it's all about mm-hmm. defense in the playoffs. Uh, if you're a top defensive team in the playoffs then you won't have any problems going all the way. So for me, I have faith in them that they'll turn the switch on when they need to. It's just a matter of getting there. It's just a matter of surviving the regular season to get into a position where you can face the teams that you want to play. And if you're there, Mm -hmm. then they'll take it. Then it's up to them. I mean, they can go all the way. Uh, I'm in agreement there. Uh, I guess guess we want to add one more thing. Do you guys feel like, since the trade deadline is coming up, do you guys feel like, they need to make a trade. Not should they, but do they absolutely need to make a trade in in order to get to that finish line? Uh, You know, needs like maybe not the right word. I would love to see an extra front court piece on this team. Uh, I think that's more, you know, as much like shoring things up for the regular season, kind of keeping guys healthy. You know, we've seen the like – the eight man rotations and regular season games in February does not bode well for you down the stretch. And when you got Steph Curry going down with injury, uh, you know, like that, that stuff is tough. I think you want to see things like short up a little bit more on that end, but uh, yeah, I would love to see a trade, uh, but I do believe that this roster as is, is capable of making a very deep run. So I don't think it's as much of a need as some people have made it out to be. Yeah, um, you know, if they can get someone who can at least take pressure off of their main guys, you know, especially in that front court, then I'm all for it. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm also not gonna be up in arms if they don't make a, a trade. I, but yeah, I mean, you know, for me, they have already what it takes to 
to win a title to go all the way. You know, you have the best five man lineup in the league net rating. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly wouldn't hurt if they have another piece to take that to take all to take the minutes to minutes soak. And yeah, I'm not I'm not like I don't see as much of a need as like you know it would be good to have. So if they don't mm-hmm. make a trade, that's fine. But yeah, I'm just putting my faith in what they have right now in Steph, Clay, Draymond, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Wiggs. And if they, like what I said, if they can get to that, to the spot where they need to be, then their top end guys will take it all the way. And and I agree. Uh, I personally feel like if they, if they made a trade, you know, for the right piece, then I'm really, really confident that they would be able to repeat. Um, I think it's that simple. Like they, like you said, getting, getting somebody that can eat minutes, play in the system, provide potentially a different dynamic as far as being able to stretch the floor from a front court spot. I think they'd be in prime position to repeat, but uh, thank you guys for coming on. If you guys want to plug anything, um, let's do that. I'm sure, like I said, a lot of, a lot of the listeners are already following you guys on Twitter, but just in case they aren't, let's, uh, let's get the plug in the way. Well, shit, they're definitely following Joe, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like I said before, um, <laughs> At Claytheus11, you know, I'm always clipping, trying to put out as many articles as I can. Uh, if you're listening to this, then my article on the fit of Kevin Love with the Warriors uh, as a potential buyout option will already be up in the morning. Um, so go check that out on theswishtheory.com or you can check it out on my page. And uh, I'm always plugging away on the Game 6 Clay Pod with my guys. You can toss that a follow. We love having fun, chopping it up a couple times a week and talking about the dubs that we love so much. Yeah, follow Charlie. Uh, that's all I got to say. <laughs> follow Charlie, man. He's, he's awesome. Follow Charlie. Yeah. Follow Charlie, uh, you know, just in case, but yeah, just in case uh, you're not following me already, it's at Joe Vera NBA. Uh, at, and you can follow my work at Golden State of Mind. Uh, I write a couple of NBA pieces uh, every other week too for the main SB Nation NBA site. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, follow Charlie. Follow <laughs> Charlie. He's the man. He's the man. That's all oh I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. I mean, two, two very humble guys, but definitely follow both of them. You know, great content always popping out from these guys. So want to thank them again for coming on. Um, Nat's going to be out all week so you know potentially you guys can come back on or we'll, we'll see we'll figure out something out but uh yeah we'll see you guys next time it's golden spaces odyssey original podcast and you guys have a good one <laughs>